Hello and welcome back to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com. You are hearing this on Wednesday morning. We are talking, Chris Anderson and myself, on Tuesday night. We had a whole plan. We had a game plan, and wouldn't you know it, the other team calls an audible and everything gets shuffled, and we are having to, on the fly, adjust everything. But, Chris, we have some, not breaking news, but we have updated news on the depth chart. And you just typed this up and talked me through it. I've had just a, a quick chance to look at it and try to understand some things. But, as promised, changes but not necessarily the quantity or even the quality as maybe some or, or most even expected, correct? I agree. I think there's uh, two spots that were most troublesome for me in the Missouri game, two position groups, entire groups, and those were probably the two groups that had the least amount of changes in this new updated depth chart that was released on Tuesday evening, which is – when was the last time this happened? Do you remember, you know, they always send out the depth chart with the game notes and for years, especially under, under Dana, that was whatever you took it with a grain of salt. But when was the last time there was a, an emergency release of a depth chart for West Virginia kind of in the middle of the week, just kind I know. of out of the blue like that. It used to be satire when they right. had the depth chart. And now there's actually some drama involved. I think what happened here was people who were renamed nameless, Chris, <laughs> make a meal out of depth charts. You and I are known to do that because they put it out there and it's an indication of at least a starting point. And so like when they put that one of the media guide in July, that's at least a starting point from what they talked about during the summer. And certainly it's going to change, but there's some degree of progress in there. Like, Hey, here's what we heard over the summer. Here's how we're going to start. Um, I don't know. That there were a lot of changes to what we saw in Monday's depth chart, uh, virtually none, uh, just kind of a, a declaration that Taj Austin was severely hurt and he's out for the year and really nothing else major beyond that. Um, but I think that it was so obvious and there was such a, um, a cry for changes that when you put out the same depth chart and then you get on conference calls and you get behind the dais and you say, we're going to make changes. You kind of have to follow through on that just so people know, Hey, this is actually happening. Um, 38 to seven is not acceptable. There has to be some forward progress here. And there is, and we saw some, things here but you're right this is a this is a whole new world but let me quiz you here you mentioned areas where you were going to put your eyes as soon as you saw a new depth chart um what surprised you and then what do you think maybe changes by the time that we actually see 11 on the field on saturday well i mentioned the other day on the board that the biggest question mark for me watching this week the position i was watching closely was the Mike linebacker. I felt there were a lot of issues at linebacker, especially in this game against Missouri. Um, you know, Chandler's doing well. He's racking up stats, but I feel like it's kind of, what is this old saying? Uh, good stats on a bad team kind of guy. I'm not sure he's in the right position all the time, but he is getting tackles. Tonkery just disappears a lot. Um, he's on the ground a lot. He gets pushed around a lot, just gets swallowed up and, and we've seen in each of the last two games where he's had a couple rough drives and then he just gets yanked from the game for several drives in a row and just disappears, uh, literally disappears. Um, so I was expecting some kind of shuffling there or, or some attempt at anything. And there's not a single change, not a, what uh, I got a note here. Excuse me, uh, the for the third string bandit, 
Diamante Lindsay was added on. There you go. That's the big change. Yeah, and I will tell you this. I don't think they were happy with Lindsay because he wasn't lining up properly. And in his defense, he's been a backup will, which means the complete opposite side. It's, it's yeah. a very different position. And they were trying to get him uh, on the field, uh, literally on the field, and trying to get him to also be in the right position on the field. I don't want to confuse people with field and boundary, but they wanted him to line up on the proper side. And he, you could tell he was confusing it a few times, and he had his arms up looking around. I'm not sure that they abandoned that right now because I do think they like X-Ray low at will. And right now, um, they need somebody who can handle himself, probably in pass coverage, I think, um, but also play the run. And Lindsey's kind of mature to do that. And then Tonkery, uh, Missouri snapped the ball 78 times last week. Tonkery played how many snaps, do you think? 30? 69. What? What? They don't have an answer there. Um, and Shea Campbell kind of carried a mop late in the game and played some. So uh, that's the situation right now. Let me bounce something off you here because what stood out to me was something interesting that the Koenig said today. Um, one, when he was talking about his linebackers, uh, his evaluation, uh, not very good. Way, way, way below what I expect out of them. Um, and he says that he would take the blame. He was trying to simplify some things and he ended up freezing them up. So I think what he thought was that in the first game, he had players who were not quite as advanced as what he wanted them to be. Um, and the regular season beat their learning curve to the finish line. So rather than do that again, he wanted to let them catch up, and he instead made things a little bit easier on people. What that actually did was kind of add something else new to learn. You're almost unlearning things. And I had, let's just say I had a player tell me this, that um, it's the quote, it's just something new. When we're trying to learn something that we start out in the winter or the spring, you're trying to learn something new. And everything is new to us. So you're learning something, and then you're supposed to try and change that again. That makes it hard for us because it's something else that we're learning to do. thought that was interesting, and maybe that kind of validates what Vic Koenig is saying. Um, and maybe that was a mistake. But if you look at that snap count and you look at that explanation there, um, they don't have a lot of options right now. They're kind of stuck, for lack of a better phrase, with who they have, but also what they can and probably more specifically can't do and i don't know how you get your way out of that and speaking of did you have anything else you want to add in linebacker because i'm about to transition here to no i I think it's i think it's they're kind of hamstrung right now and you know jared bartlett is maybe a guy who could help but i don't think that he's practiced enough to get there he missed a lot of practice in the preseason apparently and then beyond that just not a lot of scholarship guys or even able body walk-ons who can do anything to really help right now so it's it's really just kind of who they have and you're pretty much turning over days on the calendar until Quan Darius Qualls get back. And you kind of wonder where is Adam Hensley and where is Charlie Benton? But if they're not on the field, uh, there's an issue, obviously, because there's a need right now for bodies who can play and who have experience. And I don't hear their names anywhere right now. Which sounds wildly familiar to the other position group that was the second place I looked when I pulled up this new depth chart and didn't see a whole lot of changes, was the offensive line. Um, obviously, Neil Brown has shared his thoughts on on the group as a whole, saying during Tuesday's press conference that Colton McKivitz was essentially the only one safe as a starter for this coming weekend, the only one he was pleased with, uh, or whose play he was pleased with. And 
But then also after the game on Saturday, he had mentioned again, had mentioned the offensive line and somebody asked him about shuffling guys around or maybe starting somebody different. And he said, Brown said it was more of an indication that the guys behind them need to step up and they hadn't so far. And, and today he mentioned a couple of that Tuesday, he mentioned a couple of guys that might see some more snaps, might get an opportunity, but not really seeing that on the depth chart yet, which makes me wonder, are they stuck with what they got? And, and this is as good as it's going to get, which is not great. Let's say you're not happy with the way Kelby Wickline has played. And that's fair. Who are you putting there? I, I, here Tyler I gonna, Thurman? Tyler no, Thurman, I, who didn't I think travel? We're, go, we're, go, we're going to say that, that Mike was right in the preseason, and Josh Sills has got to slide out to right tackle. Fair. Right? Now, now who's your right guard? I don't know. <laughs> But it's got to be better than what's been going on right now, I think. It's John Hughes, who has played 10 college snaps. Now, maybe it's Chase Barrett, but now who's your center? <laughs> is it Bryson Mays, who has not played? Is it Adam Stilley, who is a perhaps sub-six-foot walk-on? It's, well, it's an issue. And I, again, I'm not, I'm not insulting your, your call for change here, because I think that they're going to have to get people who, who will at least do an effort, if not an execution. Um, because I think some of that effort is, is lacking in certain parts right now. You can you can watch the tape and see guys just kind of uh, pitter-pat defensive linemen who are 300 pounds. That's not going to cut it. Um, but I don't know what you do. I mean, this is, again, it's going to be a weeks-long, perhaps months-long, maybe even season-long process to get the right five on the field. That's one thing. But then to also get them in the shape they need to be in right now. Well, that center spot, that was the only – actual change on the depth chart was Bryson Mays being moved to co-starter with Chase Barrett and or listed first. Don't know what that means yet. You know, looking around as we've seen in the past, typically the guy that's listed first is the guy. Um, but do you really, are they really going to go with a redshirt freshman center that's never played Bryce. as their guy this week? Bryce Mays did not make my 70-man travel roster five weeks ago. There we go. Not that that's the, the gospel or the Ten Commandments, but that was his situation at that point. We had not heard his name. We hadn't seen him. It hadn't popped up on any transcript from a press conference, whatever. He was just a guy, and all of a sudden he may be the guy at the biggest position. And also, Tevin Bush... It's like maybe their most explosive player on offense. He he's possibly their best running back, right? Yeah. He has their long he has their longest rush of the year. It's nine yards, but it's their longest rush, and he seems to figure into the running game uh, as effectively, if not as as frequently, as the running backs. And he is not even the or he is the backup H right now. He's their most productive player on offense, and he's their backup H, which means mm -hmm. that something is amiss behind the scenes. So my first thought here. I mean, the first thing that sprung my mind was, holy crap, Winston Wright, true freshman that has not even seen the field is all of a sudden a starter. And, and secondly, is this an issue with – because I'm with you. I think he might be the best running back, uh, might be the best in the run game. He's also fairly explosive. He, when he gets the ball in space, good things seem to happen. But uh, I, I'm thinking back to what Brown said during his press conference about – 
the issues with the run game spread everywhere. It's not just the offensive line. It's not just the running backs and how they're running, but also the wide receivers are not blocking. Now, you're our film guy, our film guru. Is Bush having a hard time blocking? I mean, he is he is small. There's no getting around that. And smaller guys have a harder time blocking uh, than bigger receivers. So is it a problem? That position doesn't block very much. Uh, the okay. slot does, um, but he's he's like a chess piece. They moved him around so much. You see him in motion before the snap, and, and sometimes he's not even set, So, um, which is not illegal. I just mean that he's he's in motion as it's happening. Um, I, I just think that – but that's also probably by necessity too because he is just – it's nothing against him. I mean, he could be the meanest, um, hardest guy. He's five foot six and 160 pounds. Um, no one's going to care about his demeanor. They're going to see – this Lilliputian come across the line of scrimmage and they're going to push him out of the way and go at the quarterback or the running back or the receiver. Um, but I think that by design, they kind of move him out of the way a little bit. Uh, Wright also did not travel last week. So it's not like he had some good snaps at the end of the game. He didn't even travel last week. He didn't play the first week. And all of a sudden he's, he's popped up there. How much of this do you think is uh, to get someone's attention? Because um, it's Tuesday guys can wake up veteran guys can wake up on Wednesday and Thursday and be ready for the game. I think if they've done everything but take Chase Barron's faceplant to try to get his attention, and this may be another way to do it. Bush is a guy that begged to be more consistent. Uh, Bryce Wheaton is a guy who was good at the start of spring, tailed off. Good at the start of camp, tailed off. Um, could this just be words on paper and to get knuckleheads talking on a podcast about it, or do you think this is a reflection of reality? Who are you calling a knucklehead? The other guys. <laughs> uh that's my second thought, because, yeah, my first uh, – specifically with Bush, my first thought was, is this a blocking issue just because Brown had brought that up with the receivers earlier today? But, yeah, this is a tactic. They, they know the players, the coaches, uh, everybody within the program, that knuckleheads are going to discuss this depth chart ad nauseum, and they're going to discuss it on message boards. They're going to tweet about it. They're going to share it everywhere. It's going to be on Facebook. They're going to talk about it at school. These guys are going to see it. That is motivation for them. And and Dana used to do the same thing. Coaches everywhere used to do the same thing. So that could certainly be it. Well, we're going to stick some true freshmen that have not even played right there with you or ahead of you on the depth chart. You have four days to change your mind. Go. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Fortunately, among the not much that Dana Holgerson left behind, he did leave some depth charts behind so that Neil Brown could fill them out and amuse people like us. Just you and me. <laughs> uh, but.
But something else they do for more than people like uh, you and me, they have the media days on Tuesday. Neil Brown spoke today. You covered it wonderfully with a uh, quick bullet point version of his thoughts. Um, and I think I've filled you in a little bit on what the coordinator said and what some of the players have said. But um, whether it's the head coach or what you've heard secondhand about the coordinators, anything kind of um, from the autopsy of Saturday that adds to or otherwise affects what you thought about the game? Not really. I, it doesn't really change my thoughts because I think everything that you know, everything that I thought that, that there needed to be more battles, that there needed to be some competition for these spots, uh, kind of came to fruition. I think um, I, I am a little surprised with a couple of the changes. Uh, a little surprised, not surprised that that Cunning was upset with uh, you know the linebackers and, and tried to how he tried to change things. So nothing really surprised me. Just something surprised you. Um, one thing that Brown said, he pointed at the lack of physicality. He said, but he also said that he was disappointed by our complete inability to do what we're coached to do. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. our inability to do what we're coached to do. That's a strong, albeit honest way of saying that our guys didn't get it done. Some of that's on the players, but. Uh, you probably don't want to hear that after a second game and a second game that didn't go according to plan, but I think they tried different stuff and it didn't work. Um, but especially if it was more simplified and they couldn't do it, you know, that's, that's not quite red flag time, but that's, that's where is the red flag time. So that's, that's curious to me. Um, and again, if Koenig is changing things around and one of his players is kind of like, yeah, it, it's tricky because you have to learn another thing and we're not good enough at the initial thing. That's, that's curious. Uh, I thought Matt Moore had a, after the game, Matt Moore said something that kind of made me laugh, and he said he didn't know what the problem was. Maybe his guys were just falling down. <laughs> yeah, they were, because <laughs> they had guys run over him. That tends to happen, but he made a point that kind of made me like say, oh, again? And then when I thought about it, I actually made some sense, but he said that his guys were so bad coming off the ball against James Madison that they were too focused on, on that against Missouri. And if you watch Missouri, they did not go straight ahead. They angled them pretty much all the snaps it seemed like and got inside guys and just turned their once they got inside, they turned their shoulders and went up the field. And they were really good at that. And Moore said that his guys just completely lost technique, that they were so focused on being physical at that point of attack that they overshot their marks again and again and again and let people get inside and get past them. And I actually went back and looked at that and I think it's it sounded it sounds funny, but it sounds like it's probably a pretty good explanation too. Can they get the best of both worlds or at least get rid of the worst of both worlds and kind of find that happy medium. Yeah. I mean, technically about the time at at the current rate, they should be good for Kansas. (laughs) I don't know if that's going to cut it because there is a game between, between now and then. So uh, they might want to figure it out before then. Um, I will say this. These guys are pretty, are pretty open and honest about stuff. I wasn't sure how it would be. And this is like, I mean, this is no offense to either one of those guys, but like, uh, Vic has been a head coach and a defensive coordinator. Uh, he was a head coach of Wyoming. He was a uh, behind the scenes kind of defensive coordinator in, in smaller places where um, I don't think he was brought out to like podiums and stuff like this all the time. And he said he's not really comfortable in these settings, but pretty honest. Matt Moore, uh, this is by and large new to him. He's coming up to the weekly press conferences and talking in front of a large and, and demanding crowd is pretty honest. I, I find this stuff to be pretty refreshing. Um, I'm not a fan of just talking to the coordinators, but man, were they're going to give you answers like that and give you stuff that not only fills your notebook, but kind of fills your head with thoughts and ideas. Uh, I kind of like this. That's a compliment. <laughs> Mike, that was a good catch by you. I just want you to know that <laughs> president of the Neil Brown fan club. This is a good catch by you. 
Yeah. Thanks um, for putting that on mine. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I, I swear, I think I think he's in on the joke. I think he listens to this podcast and he wants to go along with it. He knows you're the president of the fan club and he wants to play along. Yeah. Open um, invitation, Neil. You can come and you can sit next to me in my office here. My home was just renovated. Lovely kitchen and bathroom. Uh, my office is coming back together. There's half-empty bottles of clear and brown behind me. Um, we could have a good hour on the, on the podcast. <laughs> Up to him. Let's um, let's go back to something else that he said um, that last week that I thought was was good, and I want to spin this forward a little bit to what we're going to talk about for the rest of the, the podcast here. The upcoming opponent, NC State. To look ahead, I want to look back, though. Um, in his post-game Saturday, he said that he knew it was a bad matchup. And I thought that was strange because I don't recall really him saying during the week, this is a bad matchup because he didn't say that that would be a bad sign. But as I went back and I reread things he said last week, um, Monday from the big 12 conference call and then Tuesday last week from his, his press day, uh, he was pretty obviously concerned about his offensive line, but also that the talent that Missouri had in their defensive line. And I think he was concerned about the size of Missouri's mm-hmm. offensive line and their tight ends. Those are monsters people. Um, and also the length and the size of their cornerbacks. Um, you've peaked at the NC State depth chart, so have I. And I want to say that there are similarities, but do you think that the same concerns should apply based on who and what type of players are going to be lining up against? Yeah, I think it's got to be an issue with the secondary, the length back there. Uh, you got two cornerbacks that are both over six foot, one, six, three, and then a nickel back at six foot three as well. Um, also was a redshirt senior, sophomore, junior. So you got some experience, experience, length, talent. That's what you want covering wide receivers. And we've already seen, and Neil Brown has noticed, uh, and and noted during his press conference that the West Virginia wide receivers are are not beating anybody one-on-one. And if you can't beat them one-on-one, then it's a numbers game and the defense is going to have an advantage. And, And with those guys, that length and that skill set and that experience, somebody on this West Virginia wide receiving core has to has to try to win a couple battles. Yeah, uh, Brown was pretty clear that he's not happy with TJ Simmons too. Oh, that's interesting. Just kind of said he has to play. Like he's got to play harder, play faster, play better. Just has to play. Uh, I'm with you on that. The corner is is a thing, and he pretty much said that it won't be pressed, but it's going to be one on one because why would you double team anybody? Why would you cover anybody? Um, what I think is, is interesting is that uh, perhaps you've heard of the defensive co-coordinator there. Um, mm-hmm. His name is Tony Gibson, and they're playing a, an even front. NC State's been an odd front. Excuse me. They're playing an odd front. NC State's been an even front for, for years and years and years. Uh, they went odd this year because they hired somebody, and I think they hired him because they wanted to go odd, and he's helping. But they're doing a lot of that, and they have the pieces to do it. Um but also, they play a ton of cover three, which is kind of a Tony Gibson thing. He'd love cover three, cover one. Um, so that might be to their advantage. Uh, if it's a cover three team, will they lock up and go man as much just because that's what other teams have? Or does West Virginia get some sort of a reprieve? Um, I don't know. I'd be curious to see that one. Offensive line, also a concern. 6'6", <laughs> uh, 305, grad transfer. 6'3", um, 300, redshirt junior. 6'1", 305, redshirt sophomore. 6'3", 223, junior, 6'6", 3'10", redshirt, junior. That is your starting five there. And they play they play guys, too. Like they, they won't go the whole five the whole game, I don't think. But 
Um, I really thought Missouri's tight ends were a big difference too. Um, those guys are perhaps both NFL guys. Certainly Albert O is, but his backup's no slouch either. Um, these two, uh, not to the same caliber, but 6'4", 240, 6'7", 250. And I actually saw the third guy um, who's 6'4", 245. So maybe they play three. I don't know. Maybe they have an or thing going on there too, but they, they just use big bodies and do a bunch of stuff. They run the ball really well too. And again, if you were worried about the size last week, you have to be worried about the size this week, correct? Yeah, especially on that right side of the line. I think yes. one slight advantage, not advantage, but maybe one weakness here for NC State on that offensive line is all the experiences on that right side. Um, their right guard and right tackle have a combined 34 starts between them. Mm-hmm. But from center over prior to this season, the three guys, center, left guard, left tackle, there is a combined two starts between the three of them before this season. So those are all new guys, and they are a little bit older, Richard, sophomore, Richard Jr., and grad transfer, as you noted, but their two starts so far have been, what, Western Carolina and Eastern Carolina, East Carolina. So maybe you put a little pressure on that side of the line if you're you're Vic Conning. How and with whom? Because they're missing a defensive end, and we've just talked about how they really don't like their bandits right now. It's a spot you would pick on for sure, but it's going to be hard to do. I, this is me just being silent because I don't I don't have an answer for that. I'm not sure it's on the depth chart right now. Uh, I want to I, I want to self check myself live here. Their grad transfer actually is not a grad transfer. He's a grad student who has barely played, but he is uh, a, oh. a fifth year guy who is six six um, and, okay. and has been out there a bunch this season, so he's done that. Um, I've talked about this before when I did my previews and we, we chatted about this quickly, but, um, the, the talent in North Carolina is pretty good lately. Um, but the talent on North Carolina state's recruiting roster the past couple of years is pretty good too. Um, how much credit should we give their recruiting and how seriously should we take these last two or so classes? Uh, a lot. Uh, yeah. Dave has been done very well at NC state. He's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, right now I'm looking at the um, current roster and their recruiting rankings. They got 13 four-star recruits on there, uh, and West Virginia's got seven. And, and of those seven, five of them are transfers. Campbell, Allison, Kendall, uh, four of them are transfers. So it's it, – it, NC State's building the right way. They're getting the kids in from it, the their local kids there in state, um, getting the top talent around them, uh, building them up over a couple years so they get that experience. And using the transfer market a little bit, not quite as much as West Virginia, but just as far looking again, I'm using the the two four twenty four seven sports team talent uh, lists here, and NC State is considerably ahead of West Virginia in those rankings thanks to some of that top-tier talent. Yeah, it helps if you have a good background, or excuse me, a backyard, and they've done that. Um, yeah. But man, if, if this isn't true, it, it sounds so lame and it's a lazy thing, but you got to win. And they've won the last two years, and their recruiting classes have done it. Uh, they had no four-star players in 2016 and 2017. They have 10 in the 18 and 19 classes. Pretty good. Sure. And they're coming off some nine-win seasons and scaring Clemson a couple uh, at least a couple plays, but they've. I think that they are the second winningest program in the ACC the past two years, and in a lot of other conferences, they would probably be um, at that level or better. So they're they're as good as 
just about anybody. Certainly the, that top shelf is you know on their tiptoes right now, but they've done it. And not only that, these four-star guys are playing. Ricky Persons, a pretty good running back who's playing. Uh, Bam Knight was an early enrolled freshman who was like the star of the spring. He's a leading rusher. Um, their top linebacker is a four-star guy who redshirted last year because of an injury. They've been able to get athletes and find a spot for them. They've been able to recruit like the 300-pound nose guards and the 260-pound defensive ends. Like they're, they've done a good job and they've gotten those guys in the field because you know they did a massive rebuild on defense last year, and just about all those guys are back. And they were pretty good against the run, which should be concerning against West Virginia's running game. Um, but if you can do that with the talent they're bringing in, and you can turn around your defense quickly. They are probably no less than capable offensively. And if you look at their offense, it's a lot of sophomores, redshirt freshmen. In addition to those those seniors that we talked about, those older players in the offensive line, it's kind of the way it should be. You want older guys up front and get your best talent at the skill positions. And whether it's running back or quarterback or receiver, they've done that. They seem like they have a pretty balanced but, but pretty capable, pretty talented offense right now. What do you think of – you mentioned the quarterback. Obviously, Ryan Finley's gone – what do you think of the new guy, Matt McKay? What is is he someone that can that can hurt West Virginia with his feet, kind of like Kelly Bryant did? You know, obviously Bryant was throwing it as well, but was able to escape that pass rush, get out, get into space, and make plays there. Yeah, he's only run six times in two games and uh, no sacks, so that's good. So he's probably got some wiggle to him. I just to answer your question, not a lot. I just don't know about him yet. He's completed two-thirds of his passes. He's only thrown two touchdowns. hes I don't think he's had a, a tip ball or an almost pick, so he stayed out of trouble. But, you know, we talked about the, the FCS and darn near FCS quality competition he's played. Right. Um, so that's, that's interesting to me is that what's going to happen when he really gets tested. But, you know, all of his people who have caught a pass have played both games. We're, we're not saying the same thing about West Virginia. We're talking about people coming in, so that's pretty good. Um, I think he's probably got – a good beat on what they're doing. And if you just watch Finley in that offense, that's pretty good. Uh, but Finley wasn't a runner. And I don't think that the offense necessarily has to have that guy. So if he's just hitting guys in the hands and he's moving the ball forward, they're good. I really think they want to run the ball to, to be effective. And they have two guys with over a hundred yards so far in two games. Uh, they both average more than six yards a carry. And that doesn't even include person who I just talked about was a big time recruit. Um, they played three guys in there, and they they move the ball with those guys too. So they're they're good running it. And man, if you can get worried about that run, this is kind of what Bryant did last week. Bryant wasn't great, but he had time because you really couldn't take your eye off the running game. You had to be careful and not making sure you weren't getting cut up there. And and that's kind of like an NC State formula right now too. I think he's got potential. He's got some weapons, but you know, right now he hasn't had to to lead a team. And I think if he can turn around and hand it off, you know. 40 times, that's probably all they want him to do. Um, Mike, your knowledge of the of the Wolf Pack is extensive, but I won't be impressed until you uh, explain to me whether or not they're taking two long snappers on this trip to Morgantown. Are they? <laughs> what a silly question. <laughs> because certainly, Joe Shimko is a great snapper. He's a true freshman. He's actually snapping for them, and he came in. They like Jackson Quiggle. They like Jackson Quiggle down in Raleigh. But when you got Joe Shimko, uh, a really high-level recruit, we talked about how good the recruiting was. you got to get Joe Shimko on the field. No offense to Jackson Quiggle, but you have to do it. So you don't know what's going to happen with Shimko on the road. First road game, if Shimko starts assailing left and white, you got Jackson Quiggle in the bullpen ready to go. So, of course, they have, too. 
Folks, I want you to know he actually does not have the roster in front of him. He knows that by heart. So that, that's impressive and sad. <laughs> well, cry me a river. Uh-huh. And that will be how we finish today. Chris, thank you for for uh, telling everybody the truth about my special teams acumen and giving me one more chance to shine in my third side of the ball. <laughs> Thanks for joining me here. As always, it wouldn't be the same without you. Uh, of course, it wouldn't be the same if you were on the other side, too, because you frequently take the day off on me. <laughs> and you'll have this one all by yourself on Saturday. Tell them what you have up your sleeve for the rest of the week. Yeah, coming up, we're going to be talking with uh, Corey Smith from our NC State site on 24-7 Sports. Uh, we'll have a Q&A with him written for those who hate listening and a preview pod for those who hate reading. So we got you covered both ways. Well, that is it for this time. Until next time, I am sorry for Jackson Quiggle. And I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll see you next time.